There's a lot of pressure these days, and the future seems more uncertain than ever. Do you feel it too? Redeemer University is a place to learn and think about how God's kingdom is at work in social work, politics, media, and more. It's an opportunity to join a diverse Christian academic community while exploring how to follow Christ in real, tangible ways. Applications submitted on Redeemer's website before January 31st will have the fee waived. Visit Redeemer.ca today. Even people who don't have enough, you'd be surprised what, how that impresses God when we help somebody even out of our own need. And just like that widow in 1 Kings 17 who told Elisha, listen, I, I just have enough for me and my son. And we're going to eat it and die. And you know what? The Bible says that he supplied her need throughout that famine. That's Deborah Pegay, and she joins us today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, with last year's COVID shutdown and other uncertain times we're facing, uh, we've seen a rise in unemployment, devastating financial crisis, and many other things that are really impacting us. And as we kick off the new year, we're coming out of Christmas, and Probably some people have blown their Christmas budgets, and now we're getting the credit card bills for those things. We want to stop and remember what God has to say Mm. about money, and he says a lot about it. Uh, Here at Focus on the Family, we want you to live freely in Christ. Uh, That's what it's all about. Uh, He died on the cross so that you may live abundantly in him. But there's principles that we have to apply in order to do that, and today we're going to help, uh, at least in this area of the finances, give you some insights that I think are really going to help. Yeah, and we have Deborah Pegay, one of our most popular guests with us uh, once again, as Yay. I said earlier. Deborah is a certified public accountant and uh, a certified behavioral consultant as well. She's a Bible teacher, an international speaker. She writes books left and right, and we're talking about <laughs> one of them called 30 Days to Taming Your Finances, What to Do and Not Do, to better manage your money. Deborah, welcome back. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so good. Even remotely, we have to do this right now, but we're so grateful that you're making the time there in Southern California to join us. I mentioned the Bible offers guidance when it comes to how we handle our finances. Let me be the antagonist. Really, something written 3,000, 2,000 years ago It has some kind of bearing on our finances today. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that that aged book that, as they say, aged wisdom is here for us. And I have found it to be true. Uh, I've been I'm 70 years old. (laughs) So I have known the Lord in the area of finances ever since I was old enough to have money on my own, uh, as I say, on my own. And I tell you, this is the time more than ever that we got to make God our partner. He's why, gotta be out let me ask you this. Um, why is stewardship of financial resources, why does that matter to God? Because, you know, Jesus had talked about money actually more than he did salvation. We knew we know that salvation was important. But money is a tool that lets us really it's a spiritual tool. And it's important because everything belongs to God. We're just managers. And if we don't start out with that mindset, we're going to hoard it. We're going to handle it like it's ours. We're going to be anxious when we see it getting away from us, appear to get away from us. So it's important to God because it's his resources. 
That's why it's important. Yeah, no, and that's great to state it in a straightforward way like you have. In the face of the shutdown, what we just mentioned, uh, kind of the environment we're in, unemployment numbers kind of vacillating up and down and up again. Uh, countless families are fighting just to get food on the table. I feel so bad for young people today, you know, the teen worker, the 20-something trying to find a job that they can get their career started. It's such a mess, uh, given the COVID situation. Where do people find hope in that uh, when you're not getting a job and money's tight? Well, you're going to have to just believe that God is going to provide. And I don't want to sound theoretical in this, but I always tell everybody, look, just stop and take a deep breath because he promises to meet all of our needs according to his riches. And I really want to just kind of park there for a minute because we get really caught up in looking at what we have available, what's not available, what we have left, what's not left. And all of a sudden we take full responsibility for our financial well-being. And I'm here to tell you this morning because I've been in that place. I've been in that place where you, uh, I had to sell stamps just to have some money or my budget for Sunday dinner was a dollar. I know what that feels like, as Paul said. I know how to abound and I know how to be abased. And I have to tell you, it's your mind. Mindset. Anytime you're going through an uncertain time, a stressful time, the level of stress that you feel is a direct proportion to what you're believing about God. And so I'll just I'll, I said to myself the other night, just lose your mind for a minute. Let's just put it on pause. <laughs> go to another realm. Let's go into that faith realm and begin to expect God to show himself strong. Well, it's so true. I mean, you, you can work yourself into anxiety and even depression, I think, when it comes to finances. It has that much influence in our lives. Let's get to some practical steps to taming finances, like your great book, 30 Days to Taming Your Finances. Uh, you suggest uh, seeing where you stand and preparing a plan. And I think the practical question is, what does that look like? What does it look like? You ever been to a mall? Of course you have. But if you haven't, I have lots of experience. The first thing you see is a sign that says you are here. If there's a map, <laughs> That's right. you are here. You find out where you stand and then you'll know how far you have to go to get to your destination. Meaning, let's say I my income is now short by 500 a month or a thousand a month. Now, you don't want to get stuck there. You just need to see where you stand because there may be some areas where you can cut back. I maintain we can probably all live off of just a little bit less, you know, some of the little luxuries or the things we do daily. But it's important that you know where you stand. In fact, there's a scripture that says, be careful to know the state of your flock. Know at any point in time where you are so that you can uh, begin to identify and eliminate behaviors that may not be serving you financially. With all of the people that you have worked with, uh, I would think the planning side of it is far more comfortable for some and far less comfortable for others. Uh, speak to that idea of having the plan and how do you get going if you're not a planning person? Well, and it's quite simple. You don't need a fancy program. You need some pencil and paper <laughs> and just get really you can just get down to brass tacks this way. Write down. You know what you have coming in. Look at what you spent. If you don't know, just start to make a log of it. But you have an idea. You know your core expenses. You have to know that. And then you say, OK, what? where is the shortfall? Is there a shortfall? What else can I do to make it up? You only have two options here. You can increase your revenues or decrease your expenses. It's usually easier to decrease your expenses. But many of us have skills, talents that we hadn't thought about putting to work. And so this is time to say, as Elijah told the woman when she went to him and said, you know, my husband died. And he said, what do you have in your house? 
you know, I'm in debt. The creditors are coming. They're going to take my kids. What do you have in your house? And I say that to everybody. Do you have a skill or something that perhaps you've treated it as a hobby, but now you can begin to charge for those things. And so look for ways to do that. And if you don't have that, listen, you are not on your own. God is your father. He's responsible. Good fathers take care of their children. Let me ask you, your wonderful husband, Darnell, so often money affects marriage more than almost anything. Um, how can we be mindful of how our mismanagement of money is affecting our relationship with our spouse? And how do we get in sync with our spouse? Well, we're going to have to set some common goals. And that's the fastest way to start because finances really are the source of contention in most marriages. And so we'll say, what is our long term goal? Let me give you an example. Let's say one of our goals is just to make sure that we have accumulated at least two to three months of living expenses. So when, whatever we're doing should be driving us towards that goal. So if somebody's going to run out and buy some luxury upper end fishing poles. My husband is currently at the fishing. <laughs> just to right come up minute. with an example here. <laughs> that's where he is this moment. <laughs> But, you know, you have to say, now, is that going to get us towards our goal? Let's let's agree that this is where we're going, because how can two walk together unless they agree? And so you got to sit down, write it down and say, what's our goal and make every decision. Make sure it's not taking you away from your goal. It can be hard. But if you really talk about what's driving your expenditures, you're going to find you're going to get on a path to agreement. Uh, Deborah, sometimes that communication can be really difficult in a marriage. I mean, you're saying it, you're a trained CPA, and I can imagine it's put a little stress into your marriage when Darnell's saying, hey, I'd like this, you know, this luxury item, and you're going, honey, seriously, really? And you're giving him that look like you're looking at me right now. (laughs) And I mean, so that can either start some friction between you, or it's achieving the right goal, which is accountability, so how do we make that communication a little easier in our marriage so it's not abrasive? Well, we do it by reminding ourselves of what the goal has been. So with Darnell and me, we know that we're going to pay 10% of our income to the church. So that goal is being met. We know that we're going to need, we would like six months living expenses in the bank. And that sounds excessive in this environment, especially with everything being canceled. But we also have a, a formula. We sow some, we spend some, we save some. Those are our three S's. When I say we sow some, we give to others. We make that a priority, give to the church. And then we know that we save some. And Darnell reminds me all the time, we can't save it all. <laughs> I like can't Darnell. save all of it. And I'm thinking, yes, but you know, I know they say have six months in the bank, but I want two years. Suppose we can't work for two years. Well, that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't, but in my head, I have to peel the onion. What's causing you to think that you can't trust God, that mm. there's going to be such a shortfall that you're going to have to hoard money. And so, you know, you have to be truthful about that. And I know that mine was driven by the fact that I had a mother that was not empowered and a father that was abusive. And so I saw her not ever have enough money. And I kind of bowed inwardly that I'd never been in a position where I never had enough money, that I couldn't put my hands on money and run away if there was abuse. Right. So you, can, you have to understand what's driving those financial mindsets. Well, and that, that, I mean, that's powerful, that statement. The things you learn as a child, those, um, you know, pains uh, end up being your passions, like so many say, and that's what you're describing. Let me ask you about emotional spending. You're kind of touching on that. I would think that, you know, you got to pay rent, you got to buy food. Those things are automatic, but it's that other place where that emotional spending occurs. And some people, let me say it this way, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but we can medicate with our spending because it makes us feel good to buy something new. 
Yes, Jim. And listen, I believe emotions are at the root of all spending. Even the saving is at the emotion is at the root of it. I it was fear. And, you know, I'm really re- recognizing that fear at the base of my wanting to save. But you see, even now, a lot of people are spending out of boredom. We're at home and I'm I'm sounding like your wife. I'm ordering a hundred little low cost items. I have that truck coming here every day from, um, <laughs> um, you know, the place. <laughs> yeah. One of those places, one yeah. of the many places. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, you know, what's driving this? Well, I'm bored, so I try a new type of green screen. You have to identify the emotion. Here's the point. Sometimes you're spending out of anger, out of frustration. You say, I have very little money anyway. I may as well just go in and enjoy myself and have a great steak dinner. And so you got to understand, okay, is that going to get you towards your goal? I am very big on people being focused on where they're trying to go. So you got to look at, am I depressed? Am I just frustrated? So you have to identify the emotion so that you can say, yeah, that's why I'm spending. I'm upset with somebody. Mm. And so if you'll be truthful about that and find an alternate way to deal with it, then you can stop thinking, pray before you pay. <laughs> this Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Focus on the Family Canada's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Program is a proven program designed to save couples from the brink of divorce. For over 15 years, Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped more than 4,500 couples, and over 80% of those surveyed are still together two years after attending. If you or someone you know is facing a crisis in their marriage, please call Focus on the Family Canada today at 1-833-999-HOPE or visit hoperestoredcanada.ca to find out more. Are you an elder or deacon in your church? Are you concerned that your pastor may be reaching a place of burnout? Focus on the Family Canada has designed a retreat for pastoral couples. Help them stay fresh and renew their excitement about their ministry in your church. Help them pause from the busyness of life so they can take time to receive from God and deepen their connection to Him. If you want to bless your pastoral couple with rest, renewal, and reconnection with God, visit carithretreats.ca. That's carithretreats.ca. This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Deborah, let me ask you about this. Our culture, and let me, we, you know, we are aired globally, so I'm talking primarily about the Western culture, the U.S., Canada. Uh, you know, we seem to not value contentment. And, uh, you know, the marketers, they do a number on us. They make us feel like, you know, my car is eight years old and it does kind of have some weird sounds coming from it. I probably need a new one when it was just a marble in your wheel or something. Who knows? But the point of that is these tensions are we're fighting these tensions constantly. Do we need something new or can we get by with what we've got? That idea of contentment. Speak to that and the importance of it. 
Yes. You know, every commercial is designed to make us feel inadequate. We need something that we don't have. In fact, Jim, I'm on high alert now to say, what are they trying to sell me? What are they trying to make me feel bad about myself? Yeah. Because because if you understand the motive, but listen, and I don't want to sound like a walking Bible, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You're going to be so much farther ahead of the game if you look at that and ask God to give you the ability to be content. And, and that comes out of gratitude. I mean, I get in the bed every night, just thank God for the bed. I know there are homeless people. L.A. has a huge homeless problem. I don't need a new toy. The computer that I'm using right now is a 2015 model. And I'm thinking, oh, that 2020 is out, but I don't. it has more bells and whistles. Do I need them? No. Does this one serve my purpose? Yes. So I have to talk to myself. I have to be personally responsible for guarding my heart so that that kind of discontent doesn't enter in and make me spend money because I it's going to make me better. Hmm. You're right. going to take no, it to I, another level. I'm going to be unique now. <laughs> I totally get that. And, you know, unfortunately, the church being in the culture, that seeps into the church as well. And, you know, we sometimes don't struggle enough with that decision that you're talking about. But I want to stay on the God thing because it's important. And we're Christians and we believe in Jesus and it's important to have him at the root of everything. How does prayer and our relationship with God affect the way we we manage our finances? How do we put him kind of in the lead rather than an afterthought? Well, Jim, I always say, and I'll say this quickly, that life is like a stool. There's a base, which are your spiritual beliefs and four legs. And one of those four legs is the financial. And I'll just talk about that one real quick. Well, I'll tell you the rest of them are uh, physical, relational, emotional, and financial. Every aspect of our life comes out of a belief system, how we manage those. What I have to believe about God so that it impacts my finances and informs my financial decisions. That's why when I know that I, I can be content, that's going to inform a financial decision. That's why I have to guard my time with God, because if I don't have that mindset, I'm going to be influenced by what I just saw on the commercials. And so that's why I tell everybody, guard your prayer life, because it's going to determine your mindset. It's going to determine what you believe. And those beliefs will inform every decision, financial and other. So that's why it's important. Yeah, and I so appreciate that. And again, it's a discipline, uh, the spiritual discipline of putting God in the right place. Uh, Not really putting him there, but honoring him to be there. Mm, And uh, let me ask you too, uh, you know, given what we're talking about with the aftermath of COVID and the effect of the economy and all the uncertainty that we're feeling in that regard, there seems to be a lot of negativity around us. What are some ways we can refocus and become just more positive and more God-honoring in how we deal with people and not uh, kind of take the bait to just be down and uh, sour about everything going on? It's so easy to go there. It is so easy, and especially now having just finished a political election. But I... I um. I like Philippians 4, 8 as my sifter. And I always tell everybody, mind management, thought management is key right now because it's going to determine your mindset on a daily basis. So I like to ask people to use Philippians 4, 8 as their sifter, whatever things are good and positive and of a good report, think on those things. And you have to really ask yourself when you find yourself being negative, how did I get here? Have I been watching too much negative news? Do I spend too much time analyzing my situation so that my the facts and the reality of my situation 
situation have just spoiled my faith. It's just it's spoiled it. <laughs> and so I have to ask myself, I do a lot of self-quizzing because I want to make sure that I have an up mindset because people need to see Christians going through this season in a positive, powerful way so they can say, I want what you have. But if we're at the ain't it awful party too, then we're going to have to really know that we're not being the greatest example. So that's why I'm trying to teach myself, remind myself to cast down every imagination of negative thoughts, negative scenarios. And so I asked myself, then, okay, where am I getting that negativity from? What yeah. is it? I'm focusing too much on my reality. Uh, Deborah, you mentioned it's important for us to let our needs be known. I mean, that's typically very uncomfortable for a human being. But you do encourage people to ask if you're in a situation that you need help. I guess the question is, why is that so hard for us to do? Well, because we want to appear to be self-sufficient. I think if there's one thing we can learn to do is just really declare our dependence on God and know that he uses people. He gives you favor through people. And so I'm just I, I try to remember that God gives me favor through people. So I'll let it be known. Hey, I'm available. I'll tell a pastor, you know, just in case you have uh, you don't want to do your Wednesday night service. I'm available to teach. I have. This is what I teach on. It's OK to do that. You can ask. You have not because you ask not. It's okay to ask. It's godly. Yeah, that's good. Now, the kind of the big stinger here in January, typically, I said it at the top of the program, it's when those credit card bills are coming due after the Christmas spending spree. Uh, what options do families have when it comes to managing credit? And you got to be so careful nowadays that you just don't overspend. Yes, but a lot of people are having to depend on their credit cards just to survive. So some of the old rules uh, may not apply right now, you know, like never having a leaving a balance on your credit card. Well, it's just not possible for some people right now to pay off their balances. But I always say, make sure you're making the minimum payment, because even during this season where you're having to live on credit cards, you want to guard your credit score so that you don't come out of this uh, in a way that's not uh, to your advantage. And so you can always call your creditors up and ask them for low, especially the credit credit card people ask for lower interest rates, ask for maybe some time more to pay on the card. You'd be surprised at what they're doing. Some people are even extending your credit limit. And so there are things you can do, but for goodness sake, please ask because that's important and manage that credit. Credit is everything. I know you've traveled and sometimes like even on the airplanes, they don't want cash. They want a credit card. So you want to make sure that, you know, make credit your friend, Make credit your friend, manage it, don't overuse it. If there's a luxury, don't charge luxuries. Right. Now, Only I, I charge like, necessities. And I like that emphasis that you're saying in this moment, you may need to extend some credit uh, to yourself yeah. in order to get through hard times. But be mindful of that and try to pay that off, uh, yeah. which would be the old school of how you manage your credit. Uh, yeah. In terms of a cash reserve and not having uh, any tomorrows promised to us, uh, what steps should we take to prepare for our future? And, you know, kind of, John, you and I are at that age. <laughs> we got to think about the future and make sure we have some retirement, I think is wise. But what are some of your thoughts in that idea for preparing for our future and for our family? Well, it's important to get your house in order now. Many people have passed away. And the last thing you want is to create additional stress for your uh, grieving family is to not having had a will in place as a minimum, which you can just do. You can write that down if you want to. If you don't have the money to set one up, they have forms, templates online. 
and just sign it. Uh, don't notarize it. That'll invalidate it. But really put your a will or a trust in place, how you want your assets distributed. That's important. It doesn't matter about your age because even if you're 45 or 25, you need at least enough insurance to bury you. We've had relatives to die during this period. And um, sometimes we've had to chip in money to get them buried properly. And so this is the time to be responsible. Check your insurance. Make sure you have at least enough to bury yourself. But make sure you have some form of insurance, even that cheaper form, term insurance. That's important so that you have something because you don't want to leave your family exposed like that. Mm. I so appreciate that. That That's good. Um, Let's end on this note. And I'm going to ask you to pray in a moment for folks who are struggling financially. So let's hold that. But when you look at tithing, you touched on that. Um, You do want to honor the Lord. You do want to take care of the needs around you to the degree you can. Speak to how you and Darnell do that. I mean, you've mentioned you tithe, and then I'm sure you guys, when you see a need and you feel the Lord nudging you to help meet it, you take that out of somewhere. Is that just your savings, or what do you do? We take it out of wherever we need to, but we put God first. We don't give people our tithes. We believe that alms, you know, there are three levels of giving, tithes, offerings, and alms. Alms are the good deeds you do for others. So we bring our tithes to our church as the Bible instructs. We don't, you know, redistribute it to somebody in need. But we also then at the top of that scale, we give alms. We help other people. And we take that out of any luxuries that we would have had because there's nothing like sacrificing on behalf of somebody else, like the widow. And let me tell you, even people who don't have enough, you'd be surprised. How that impresses God when we help somebody even out of our own need. And just like that widow in first Kings 17 who told Elisha, listen, I, I just have enough for me and my son and we're going to eat it and die. And you know what? The Bible says that he supplied her need throughout that famine. Yeah. And it's a beautiful reminder. I know even for the donor community that supports the ministry, uh, you know, we'll hear from time to time amazing stories where the family has foregone eating cereal and they save that money to give to focus to help save a baby's life or to help a marriage stay together. And they'll send us, you know, $70 is their cereal money for a couple of months. Isn't that amazing? It is. And it is so humbling the way people honor the Lord by giving to their church, to organizations like Focus, to do what we can together to help people. And it's beautiful. So, Deborah, let's move to that prayer. Uh, Pray for those who are struggling right now, especially with the pandemic and its effect on the economy. I'm thinking of restaurant workers, particularly, who are so devastated, uh, literally a couple of million, to my knowledge, people that have worked in that area. My mom, uh, she was a waitress raising us five kids, working two or three jobs in that arena. And living off tips. And so my heart goes out to that community particularly, but many more are affected too. So can you pray for them? Absolutely. Let me just ask people to just get your minds off of yourself as we go to the throne of grace. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence. Lord, your word tells us to be anxious for nothing but to let our requests be made known to you. But Lord, it also says that you already know what we need before we even ask So, Father, we just take a deep breath right now and we stand in awe of who you are. We stand in awe of who you are, God. You are our source. You're the source of everything. And I pray now, Lord, that you will show yourself strong in the finances of every person listening. Lord, calm our anxious hearts. Help us to cast down those negative thoughts and and scenarios of lack. And Lord, just help us. We know that there's no shortage in heaven. So give us the grace, God, to hold fast to our faith. We believe and we declare that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. 
Thank you for that, Lord. And I pray for every donor. Bless them, God, who continues to support this ministry, a ministry of hope. And I pray for the staff, Lord, at this great organization that you will continue to show yourself strong there. We thank you for your supernatural provision and for divine favor. You are meeting every need and our eyes are on you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, Deborah, man, I think I can feel why people uh, know why we love you so much. And you are you just bring such great wisdom and great insight from the scripture. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for uh, sharing your perspective and really God's perspective on our finances. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And let me turn to our listener. Um, we have caring Christian counselors available to uh, listen to you and to point you in the right direction, hopefully uh, spiritually talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ at the core. Along with that, we have Deborah's great book, 30 Days to Taming Your Finances, What to Do and Not Do to Better Manage Your Money. And uh, you can order that directly from Focus Canada. And when you do, those resources go right back into ministry. There's no profit sharing at Focus Canada. So you're supporting the ministry when you order your resources from Focus Canada. And thank you for doing so. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. And tomorrow we'll be revisiting one of our best of 2020 programs with Kathy Lipp as she helps you to kind of declutter your home as we start this new year. Yay! God knows your heart and knows your heart to want to help people and to give. And cluttery people are the most generous people I know, but it's that tiny step of faith that will start to show you that God does care about you, care about the condition of your heart, and cares about your home to be able to invite people in. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.